umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're going to look forward to michigan's big 10 opener versus rutgers michigan is 3 and 0 undefeated as we all know and so is rutgers clint what does your SP Plus analysis tell us about how Michigan did in the last game, and how does it project forward to this one? Well, for for me personally, uh, and uh, in relation to the SP Plus, Michigan is really exceeding all uh, all expectations. Whether you know, I I track both uh, the SP Plus records and uh, and what we predict or what I predicted in the preseason and what I do pregame and on all. On all measures, Michigan is outperforming the expectations. So, for example, um, when Bill Connolly re- releases his uh, the week of the game uh, Wednesdays, he usually releases the picks, and what the uh, what the model spits out in terms of uh, projected score for each team and the margin. Uh, last week against Northern Illinois, SP Plus predicted 44 to eight, you know, a, a gap of 35 or 36 points. And then obviously the actual was, you know, a gap of 53 points. So uh, I would track that and, and record that as Michigan outperforming the SP Plus projection by by 17 points, right? So uh, when I look at that right now, Michigan is playing well enough that they are outperforming the SP Plus projection by two touchdowns, by 14 points. And going into the Rutgers game, uh, the SP Plus model spit out a 21-point advantage. So um, if they hold true you know, to, to outperforming a 21-point advantage by another 14 points, then, then we would expect them to win you know, somewhere north of 30 points, somewhere right around 35 points this game. So, um, And again, whichever system I use, either the preseason benchmark or the week of, Michigan is outperforming. So uh, on my pregame scores... Michigan is actually almost 19 points better, so I'm even I'm even more conservative than the SP Plus has been uh, in my expectations for Michigan. So, uh, com- comparing the numbers, you know, from from regardless of which benchmark you pick, uh, the Wolverines are ahead of schedule and outperforming all of the, uh, the the expectations that that we see and that we analyze and use when uh, when we start preparing our previews. So. How much did Michigan's 63 to 10 kind of alter the model? Did did it um, did it have an over oversized impact on the prediction, or did the model adjust to take it in? I think it's really consistent. Like I said, uh, so I'll, I'll just compare to SP Plus's uh, pregame um, predictions, right? In Week One against Western Michigan. Uh, SP Plus predicted Michigan win by 19, right? And they actually won by 33. So that's 14 points better. Washington, it expected Michigan to win by 9, and they outperformed that by, uh, you know, 12 points. Northern Illinois, they expected them to win by 35.9, 36 points, and outperformed that by 17. So that delta, that gap, Michigan is outperforming the SP Plus projection the first three games by 14, 12, and 17. So the, they really dropped a bomb on Northern Illinois, 
but the model expected them to drop a bomb. But even when um, the uh, the model has been optimistic uh, in Michigan's favor, uh, Michigan even even surpasses that. So it's it's truly exceptional in terms of you know what we expected it from kind of a narrative uh, eyeball test kind of uh, perspective, but also you know the the cold analysis of, of crunching a bunch of football data and putting it into the computer algorithm and spitting it out, Michigan surpassing those as well. So one of the interesting things I noticed in prepping for this game, I was looking at Michigan's results and Rutgers' results, right? So Rutgers had a 61-14 to thrashing uh, of an opponent in a game. Michigan had a 63-10 to thrashing that we just saw, right? Rutgers had a 45 to 13 win, which matches up almost exactly with Michigan's 47 to 14 win against Western Michigan. And then their their other game was only a 10 point victory, 17 to 7 over Syracuse, and you know Michigan would match that one 31 to 10. So what's interesting to me when I look at these squads is that Rutgers is is ride has to be riding high confidence wise, and. Yes, they're heading into Michigan Stadium, but, you know, last year it took triple overtime for Michigan to beat them. And there's been other times where Rutgers has, has played very tough. So it's interesting, you know, on on in one sense, I look at this game and I'm thinking, wow, you know, looking at the SP Plus and, and you know, I always say, like, my gut, I'm expecting the Michigan to win by, or I'll be disappointed if they don't win by two or three touchdowns, right? But then when I look on the Rutgers side, it's like, okay, in a lot of ways, this is going to be their first real test. And I don't know if it's a real test for Michigan or not. I mean, I think that, you know, we look ahead to, um, you know, Wisconsin, right? But when I'm looking at this, I'm like, you know, if Rutgers is for real, and I'm not sure they are, but then again, I know there's a lot of people across the country wondering if Michigan is real. Yeah, I think... I think both of those are legitimate questions, right? And I have my own opinions on those, but I certainly wouldn't fault anybody that, that wondered that aloud. And your point about Rutgers' schedule is is well taken. You know, the their opening game against Temple, um, they won by a large margin. That Temple is right now ranked 105th in SP+, and Northern Illinois, who Michigan just beat, is 115th. So those are, you know, pretty comparable. And, and Western Michigan is in the 70s, I believe. Yes, 79th. And that is very close to Rutgers, number one. That's 71st. But uh, also Syracuse. So Syracuse is number 84 and Western is number 79. So those are very comparable. The big difference in terms of the the strength of schedule between the two teams right now, obviously, is Michigan played Washington, who I believe right now is in the 20s in SP+. Um, 19, actually, overall. In SP plus, and the third game for Rutgers was an FCS school in Delaware State. So um, that that's where the comparison breaks down. But still, uh, two of the games are very comparable to Michigan's two games, um, and, and they've they've put up big numbers and, and performed cleanly. Um, the the one other major difference between what they're doing early in the season and what Michigan is doing is I think I I, I saw that Rutgers is like plus eight through three games in the turnover margin, which has a little bit of a 
you know, it's kind of a wild card. You know, sometimes the ball bounces your way and sometimes it doesn't. So right now, and on the uh, the right end of the uh, the football bouncing their way to be plus in the turnover margin. But um, the other things that affect that are are creating havoc on defense and and, and really trying to emphasize ball security on offense. So right things. You know, Greg Schiano is uh has been successful in that program before. You know, he's he's proven that he can do it in Piscataway. So I, I think that they're certainly a very legitimate uh, Big Ten test and, and um, obviously one that the Wolverines are going to have to be ready for, and, and I think that they will be. I think they will be too, but it's going to be – this is a more interesting game than I expected heading into the season. I wasn't sure Rutgers was going to be able to turn things around Um and I know that, you know, Greg Schiano's a really good coach, but they seem to be on the upswing. They have to be coming into this game with a lot of confidence. And I think that this is going to be a test for both squads, right? I mean, their offenses and defenses. I mean, Rutgers is used to scoring a lot of points, and uh, the Michigan defense has just been lights out. So it's going to be interesting to see how they match up and, um, you know, I think one thing's certain, if Michigan can put a beating on Rutgers, I think it'll definitely give me more confidence that Michigan is on the rise. I believe they are, but again, um, you know, want to see it on the scoreboard. And if Rutgers can keep this game close or or threaten and possibly win, then uh, that's going to give the Rutgers backers a lot of, of, a lot of confidence. So I think this... Heading into this season, I didn't have high expectations for this game, but uh, it's definitely piqued my interest. Um, you know, if Rutgers was, um, you know, two and one or one or two or just been eking by victories, um, I don't know that I would be. Uh, I think I'd be more looking at the Michigan side. Now I'm kind of looking on both sides of the ledger, wondering, you know, how t- how each squad is is going to come out and 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 fare against the other. Over the last, you know, since we've been doing this for at least the last three or four years, Rutgers has been in the triple digits uh, offensively and defensively and overall in the SP Plus rankings. So for them to be right around 70, 71 uh, right now is a huge jump, right? But it is a huge jump to, you know, 70 or 71, which is, is about five spots in front of Western Michigan. So um, I'm not saying that they're they're totally equivalent. Uh, I'm not saying that the score will be exactly the same, but uh, in terms of comparison, I think that's that's really what we're looking at. We're not looking at uh, the Chris Ash Rutgers program of a couple years ago when uh, Michigan beat them 55 to zero. But um, this team's going to be competitive for sure, and, and Michigan might get uh, a dose of some of the adversity that you and I have talked about the last couple weeks, especially early on in this game. And, and the one thing that I'm interested to see is that Michigan's defense has been somewhat tested early on in these games. Um, but I, I think that the offenses that Michigan has seen have been kind of hamstrung um, early in the game. I'll, I'll start kind of with Western Michigan. Western was moving the ball a little bit early in that game, if you remember. And then their, their top receiving threat uh, went out kind of tweaked, uh, looked like a hamstring or maybe maybe uh, um, a 
calf injuries and some type of leg injuries kind of hobbled and he never came back. And, and that Western team that just went to Pittsburgh and, and, and upset Pittsburgh and, uh, at Heinz field, you know, that receiver was back. You know, that offense was different with their top uh, receiving threat back on the field. And then Washington was, was missing three of their top receivers, their top three, not even just three of the top, but the top three receivers were missing from that Washington offense. And slowly they'll get, get a, a few back. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from Michigan's defense by any means. Um, but even even Northern Illinois' running back, Waitley, uh, in the last game, you know, kind of went out with a little bit of an injury and missed some of the second quarter and part of the third quarter before eventually he came back to the, onto the field. But I think he only played 20 snaps or so, which is about half of Rutgers snap or excuse me, uh, Northern Illinois snap. So um, there's a little bit of still a, still a question mark there that if uh, if a team has all of their weapons at their disposal, um, you know what what will Michigan be able to do in terms of adjustments and can they can they kind of right the ship if uh, if a team is able to take advantage of them and they've done it to this point so they they deserve that credit but there is still still a couple tests to pass in, in terms of defense uh, for me at least well and you know it, it it's pretty clear that when coach Harbaugh was talking about prepping for this week that you know they're not taking Rutgers lightly they're definitely um, looking to improve and Looking to uh, looking to really perfect the game. You're right, Rutgers. Uh, they got they got really good backs. Uh, I've always had great respect for Pacheco, and uh, they're extremely uh, extremely athletic. He's a really good runner. North gets north south and uh, breaks tackles. Can make the big play. Uh, they're a very good quarterback. And the receiver number eighteen is outstanding. I mean, I mean, you answer the question. I mean, the more the more good playmakers you have, uh, the better. Well, they're scoring points. I mean, they're averaging about twenty-seven points a game, uh, and, and playing playing you know real salty defense. Um, really good special teams. Uh, they're uh, playing good football. And I think you you hear you hear this from our players. At least I do. I mean, there's nobody looking to take a deep long bow right now um, we just want to get back and um, get ready for Rutgers a team we really respect and uh, and prepare and, and work and practice and, and get ready for the ball game on Saturday so um, I think they're doing really good I wouldn't use the word complete about you know any of us because we think we can we think we can do better we're uh, we're trying to move the ball trying to score touchdowns trying to uh, you know Get as good at football as we can get. The other thing that I notice when I'm looking at these uh, at you know Rutgers' performance is the game that they struggled was the game they were on the road, right? And at home they were they're a machine. You know, at home they scored uh, 106 points, right? So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the adversity of being on the road at what will be a jam-packed Michigan Stadium. Um, you know the weather looks like it's going to be a factor. Um, looks like uh, it's been it's been raining here in Ann Arbor. It's expected to be a clear day on Friday, but it's expected to rain again on game day. 
So that will be a factor that that may uh, play into things. You know, um, they, you know the ball may get a little soggy. They'll be swapping the balls in and out, but still, it'll it may get a little slick at times. So the question will be if Rutgers can um, sustain that turnover ratio. That could be a a huge factor in the game. I mean, we've seen very few turnovers during Michigan's three games, and um, again. Uh, part of that, you know, played into that. They had that incredible game where they just ran the ball constantly and, and not only ran the ball, but didn't turn it over. Um, and that may be due to the influence of new running backs coach Mike Hart, who very rarely fumbled when he was a running back here at Michigan. So I think he's uh, bringing those techniques and that discipline to to his running back core. So, again, there's there's a lot of interesting things of – you know, watching this game and, you know, again, questions on both sides. Um, so, Clint, uh, if you had to um, put a prediction on this game, what would you what would you expect to see? I think Rutgers is going to have some early success on offense. They've got a lot of returning experience. Uh, the quarterback, Noah Vedral, uh, same guy that started against Michigan last year in the triple overtime game. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, their tailback, is the the same guy that has started against Michigan for the last three seasons, you know, the the last two seasons plus this one. And then outside, Bo Melton is also a returning starter. Uh, Their guy in the slot there, Aaron Cruikshank, is also. uh, All these guys were starters last year on the team that went right to the wire with Michigan. So they they know that they can stay in toe-to-toe with Michigan despite, uh, you know, the, the difference in recruiting ratings and the uh, talent gap on paper. So there's these guys aren't going to just roll over because they come to the big house and because, uh, you know, they see the winged helmets. So I do think the game is going to start out a little bit um, give and take. You know, I think that uh, Rutgers will move the ball, maybe score early in the first quarter. Um, I, I do not think that once, once uh, Mike McDonald on defense, out. Uh, Rutgers is attacking them and, and make some adjustments with the uh, the flexibility and adaptability he's shown on on the defensive side of the ball. That I think that they'll kind of be able to clamp down sometime in the second quarter. So Rutgers is going to have to uh, get in early and, and score as much as possible to try to win the game. And I just don't think that they're going to have enough. Uh, I believe my prediction that I put on on the website there was. Uh, 39 to 10 yeah 39 to 10 it's a little bit conservative honestly like i said uh michigan has been outperforming the sp plus by uh, by about two touchdowns and right now for this game um the sp plus said uh 21 so sp plus uh 21 i'm saying 29 and uh what michigan has shown is that they you know maybe all the way up to 35. So I, I said 39 to 10. We'll see. I think uh, the main thing is I do not believe that this is the team that's going to be able to stop Michigan's run game. They, they very well could get between 250 and 300 rushing yards again uh, uh, for the fourth week in a row. So my preseason prediction was Michigan 21-17. And uh, after what I've seen these first three games – I still think that Rutgers is going to put 17 on the board. 
maybe a late touchdown, but I still think they're going to put 17 on the board. But I'm going to up my Michigan scoring prediction to 34. So I'm going to say 34 to 17, Michigan. I think Michigan is going to be on a roll heading into Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to, I think it's going to be a real entertaining game, um, a real opportunity for Michigan to showcase that they are back on the rise for a homecoming crowd, which will be boisterous and enthusiastic. Um, no matter what the rain is like, it's not going to be a cold rain. So uh, a warm rain or a warm warm showers aren't the worst thing uh, in, in Ann Arbor at this time of year. So what I'm interested in is if we're going to see Michigan go back to a predominant running game or if they're going to try to maintain the balance that we saw more of against Northern Illinois. And again, I'm interested in how the weather is going to play into that. And I think, you know, we're a quarter of the way through the season right now. I think that um, Jim Harbaugh is is bringing a focus or, or there will be a focus more on what kind of identity, what do they want to be when they grow up, right? And is it going to be more of what we saw in the second game where they just ran, 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 ran? Or is it going to be a little bit more balanced that we saw against Northern Illinois? And, you know, I think at this point, heading into the Big Ten, I think it's important for um, for that kind of a focus to come in, right? To, to For the team to have certain expectations on what they do. You know, one thing we can be sure of is that Blake Corum is going to get numerous carries. And, uh, you know, uh, I think the question is, does he get 100 yards or 200 yards, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, last week, um, all the Michigan ball carriers had the potential to break long runs. You know, there were long runs, and then there were, were near long runs where they were caught by a foot. It'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that uh, that kind of successful attack against Big Ten talent. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really looking for. Yeah, I, I think I would have... Pe- predicted Rutgers defense to be a little bit stronger than um than currently than my current prediction you know but we did see the headline that uh a couple of the defensive backs from Rutgers are facing suspension at least for this game uh with with some off the field incident that's going on there so uh we know that one of those uh cornerbacks is a starter so they're already a little bit depleted in their in their defensive backfield so that that tells me, right, that Michigan's going to stay with the identity that they have established, right? They're going to get Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins kind of pounding away at the edges of the defense and, and in the middle. But as soon as the as soon as Rutgers adjusts and, and brings those safeties up into the box and leaves those corners in coverage against uh, the outside receivers, both Cornelius Johnson and, and Dalen Baldwin. I expect uh, Michigan to go over the top uh, early in this game and try to try to make them pay with a couple big plays early on. And uh, from then, you know, it's going to be Michigan's going to take what Rutgers gives them. You know, what once uh, you got the running backs kind of rolling and you've shown the ability to kind of go over the top and challenge their uh, their depleted secondary, then Rutgers is going to have to pick their poison and and we'll see uh, we'll see how they handle that. 
So here we are, Michigan sitting at three and zero. Rutgers is sitting at three and zero. We've we've talked about what we expect from this game. What would you say is your biggest surprise about the Michigan offense at this point in the season? Without a doubt, it's how sharp the offensive line looks in their execution. They are um, not only moving guys off the ball on their their standard down blocks, right, just blowing guys off the uh, line of scrimmage, but also the, the the correct person is pulling and and, and finding the the point of attack and hitting somebody in the hole where in the last couple of seasons, uh, a lot of times the guys that were pulling seemed like they would miss um, their assignments. Um, like, like they knew that they had to pull, but they didn't know exactly, you know, where they were in relation to the point of the, of attack, you know? So, so if somebody was really attacking the whole, uh, a linebacker or, or if an edge guy was really kind of trying to, to log that log jam that up and spill, the run to the outside, then it looked like the the offensive line was was kind of taking punches instead of delivering punches. And this year, they just look so much crisper um, in their execution, and that that's a surprise to me. You and I were both a little bit a um, little bit surprised that Ed Warner was not retained. And uh, one of our big question marks coming into the season was whether Sharon Moore was going to be able to kind of hold serve. Uh, with the offensive line, and to this point, there's a clear um, improvement uh, year over year um, from what we see on the offensive line, and, and we will see if that's more about the, the defenses that we've seen, or if it's uh, a difference in coaching, or you know, talent and experience, or, or what. But as of right now, on the eyeball test through a quarter of the season, it's uh, it's really impressive to me how much cleaner the execution has been from the big guys up front so what surprises me at this point is uh an outgrowth of of what you're identifying but just that hassan haskins and um blake Corum are just so deadly right now you know zoom and boom they are and it's interesting because you know when i think back to the recent glory days of Michigan football, and I, I mean, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, Michigan had multiple running backs. And um, if one guy went down, another one came up. I mean, the same way where Michigan was very successful in sending offensive linemen to the NFL, they also had a streak of sending running backs. So what surprises me is not that it's Blake Corum or Asan Hoskins. It surprises me that it's both. And, you know, not that, not that I would want anything to happen to either one, but they both look good. You know, I, I mean, uh, Blake Corum has been more explosive and he's had more yards, but uh, they both look really good and, and they both seem to be, um, you know, complement each other. So that's the thing that surprises me on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, on the website, I... I broke down some of the blocking on Blake Corum's 51-yard touchdown um, against Northern Illinois. And what surprises me is how effortlessly the, the linemen are executing right now. And what what surprised me is, you know, they're really, again, you can say, well, listen, Northern Illinois doesn't have the talent level of a Big Ten team. But what we're seeing from the line is pretty sophisticated at this point. 
things that I would expect to see mid-season. And, you know, uh, again, uh, you know, the there's the, the play that we broke down. Trevor Keegan just had an amazing block, um, you know, uh, brushed by one guy, went and sealed on a linebacker and really, really just had an amazing block. Uh, he must have graded out very highly on this play. And, uh, again, you have not only the, the linemen doing well, but you had Luke Shoemaker um, making a really nice block. So you see the offensive line firing off and changing the line of scrimmage and the tight ends also being part of that. So, again, just uh, it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, as, a, as, a, as somebody who takes a strong interest in the line play um, you know, you and I did discuss if what was going to happen when Ed Warner left because, um, you know, the line had elevated under him. But and we were wondering if there was going to be a drop off. If anything, it seems to have elevated even beyond um, what he was able to do. And so far, the running game is, um, again, amazing. I, I just would not have expected you know, you hear them talk in the preseason, we're going to run again, and you kind of nod and smile and say, well, we'll see, and, man, we're seeing. Yeah, and it's a similar uh, sense that I get with the the overall uh, communication and execution on the defensive side of the ball. You know, to, to think that that is a total uh, shift in philosophy and, and base uh, formation – and and roles and responsibilities and kind of your hybrid player uh, previously under Don Brown was was kind of a hybrid safety or linebacker and now the the hybrid players have, have kind of shifted to uh, you know half linebacker half defensive ends in, in, you know like the role that Aiden Hutchinson is playing so there are so many differences in, in scheme and philosophy between last year's defense and this year's defense. But this staff was able to come in, absorb a ton of turnover. Uh, you know, if you remember, Mo Lindquist left after spring football to take the Buffalo job, and you brought in Klinkscale um, and did some more shuffling, you know, even as late as after spring ball. So with all of that turnover and a first-time coordinator who's 34 years old, um, you got to say that it's it's almost equally amazing that the defense has made so few mistakes. Not perfect. They are making mistakes, but they're small mistakes, and they learn from them, right? They, they don't make the same mistake twice in the same game, and, and they're really adapting very well on the fly. And I think that Michigan has been extremely successful on defense this year because they, they've been so unpredictable, right? And, and the offense can't dictate what the defense is going to do as simply as, as they did in, in the years past. So um, that's a, another thing that's very impressive, but another thing that's going to kind of come back, I think kind of regress to the mean also, because Michigan will start to develop tendencies and they're putting more and more snaps on film against different offenses. So um, we, I think we will see the offense, or excuse me, the defense kind of come back to earth a little bit as we see some of the better offenses in the big 10, but you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's a, a whole lot of offensive juggernauts, you know, coming down the, the big 10 schedule here, you know, Rutgers is fine, right? Like I said, a lot of experience, Wisconsin, we know can, can run the ball and really pound 
uh, the ball down your throat if you're not sound in the middle of the defense. Michigan State all of a sudden can show uh, has shown that they'll run the ball and, and and their quarterback Thorne it looks really sharp. And Ohio State is loaded at every position, of course, on offense. So um, there there are some threats out there, but right now, if Michigan can continue to adapt quickly and and really uh, stay focused on being unpredictable, then I, I don't think that the wheels are going to fall off. And I think that if they were going to have problems, it would have been in this first quarter of the season. And they've been, again, very sharp. And that's that's very impressive. So the other thing that I wonder is when I'm looking at Rutgers, it looks like they, uh, they're they leveraged more on the passing game, right? So this is going to be an interesting test for the Michigan secondary. And, you know, I, I keep coming back to um, I'm looking for how this defense is going to perform if if the other team goes up tempo, um, and I, I just you know that's the one of the question marks I have right now is that in each of these three games the defense has had plenty of time to get their personnel on the field off the field depending on the situation, and um, you know. We always talk about how the offense does a pre-snap read. The defense has had a lot of time to line up and get in their gaps. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Rutgers uh, is going to go up-tempo a little bit and what that pressure does. Um, and again, I, you know, excited about this game. I think it's going to be a big win for Michigan. I hope it's going to be a big win for Michigan. Um, Clint, any closing thoughts? No, I think I think we covered it definitely both sides of the ball. The last, you know, maybe throwing comment is also that, you know, special teams continues to be a strength for for Michigan as a program, and uh, I think that they've really found a role for AJ Henning back there returning punts. If he can develop some more consistency catching the ball in the air, he really really looks explosive uh, on those punt returns and on those end arounds. So. Um, getting that guy as many opportunities to have the ball in space is a good thing. And uh, I would not be surprised to see him uh, take one back to the house uh, this season. I agree, and we'll be looking for that. So uh, remember, if you uh, enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Also, feel free to send any questions to us via email. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.